Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see all of you here with us across our great radio and TV affiliates across Illinois and Indiana, WJOB, AM 1230, uh, Jed TV, City's 92.9 Talk, FM, WKN 105.5, The Ticket. It's great to be here with you. This is John Zaglul. John Meadows is directing and producing. You can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago and subscribe on YouTube. Hit the like button there. Sports Talk Chicago as well. We're starting off the show with a huge guest, great friend of this program. So happy that he made some time here for us tonight. He's a senior NFL writer at OutKick, a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, and the host of the Five Spot with Donovan McNabb. Please welcome Armando Salguero to the program. Armando, it's great to see you back here, man. How are you? Wow, John. So uh, I thought you were making a commentary about my weight immediately, and I am suddenly uh, feeling better about it now that I know that that wasn't the case. <laughs> no, definitely not that. I, I appreciate you being here. Huge uh, guest. Huge guest. <laughs> yeah, huge guest in a good way, like like a, a great dignitary or a good friend of this program. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing in regards to that. It's good to see you, man. Um, I want to start with a couple of Bears stuff first. What have you yeah. made of their season so far? You've done some reporting on it at the national level. What have you made of how they performed? Uh, terrible to start, better to end. Uh, it's as simple as that. And, you know, obviously, after – Sunday, they're going to have a lot of evaluations to to do uh, about the most important people in the franchise. See, the three most important people uh, of the four at any franchise is the owner, the coach, the general manager, and the quarterback. We know <laughs> that the owner is not going to replace herself, so she's good. Right. Uh, But there has to be an evaluation about Justin Fields. There has to be an evaluation about uh, Eberflus and there has to be an evaluation on polls. It's it's it has to happen. They evaluate people every week. Justin doesn't, but they evaluate people every week. Now they have to submit to the evaluation and. Uh, obviously, like we mentioned, you know, it looks better of late, but is of late good enough to erase what happened early on? And in the case of Justin Fields, is it good enough to erase what might happen in April come the draft? Do you think based on raw performance that Fields has done enough to prove that he's the guy here in Chicago? Um. Well, again, it's it, it's not just based on raw performance because based on raw performance and you have the number, you know, 34 pick in the draft, yeah, he's done enough. 
But based on raw performance and you have the number one pick in the draft and you have the number eight pick in the draft right now, maybe nine or ten when all is said and done, you know, maybe not. And it's it's as simple as can you do better? Can you upgrade? You know, I, I know that fans get uh, sort of attached to players <laughs> and attached to the potential of players. And I know when Justin Fields was drafted, Chicago thought, this is our guy. He, we're going we're gonna to ride or die with Justin Fields. Well, it's not like that right now for the, for the organization because it's you're going to ride or die with Justin Fields or the evaluation of Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., Jalen Daniels. Those are the things you're that the organization is going to ride or die with. Very aptly put. Um, you also wrote a couple of weeks ago, which I found interesting, that a strong finish would, quote, save Matt Eberflus for the Bears. Do you think he's had a strong finish? We don't know yet. Is he, is he winning on Sunday? For now, yes. But is he going to win against the Packers? Yes, that's the big question. I mean, I mean, do you think he's done enough to – Kind of stick around. I mean, there, as you said, there's been improvement, but, you know, looking at the whole body of work over the past two years, there have been a lot of ups and downs, mainly downs for him. Right. And, you know, there are the the issues with the coaching staff and what happened on defense there. I mean, what was that about? Uh, and, yep. And, right. And, but, <laughs> but stepping back from that, Okay, the what have you done for me lately? So they've got four wins in the last five games. If you finish with five wins in the last six games, if you're at, what, eight and nine to finish the season, um, you know, I can see, I can see the Hallis McCaskey you know, family going, you know, we're not going to make a change for the sake of making a change. Uh, they they didn't get to where they are, and especially Virginia McCaskey didn't become who she is in the realm of ownership and the as respected as she is by making harsh and rash decisions and by doing those based on emotion. So she is going to probably take a step back. I doubt it's going to be the day after one way or the other, like normally happens. Uh, and she's going to figure out, is this the person that can carry this, this team to the next level? We are at a certain level now. And to be honest with you and all of Chicago and all Bears fans, it's mediocre at best, right? That's what it is. But when Eberflus took over, it was worse than mediocre. And it was mediocre, worse than mediocre last year. And it was worse than mediocre in September. Uh, now is we, they've rallied to mediocre. Can they take the next step? Armando, that's such a Bears thing and a Chicago thing to say. They have rallied to mediocre. Can they take the next step? I love it. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Armando Salguero is our guest, senior NFL writer for OutKick and Fox News. Armando, you're also a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter 
and a lot of people here in Chicago, including myself, I'll admit my bias, believe that Devin Hester should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a finalist again this year. What do you make of his candidacy as the voting comes up? Well, I mean, don't apologize for your bias. We all have biases. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm a University of Miami alum. Where did Devin Hester go to school? Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, University of Miami. So, I mean, there's a built-in bias there. And look, I know that he is a unique player, not just a unique player in this class, which he is, uh, the, final, the 15 finalists that we're going to be considering here in a few weeks, but he is a unique player over his career because he was doing stuff that just no one else was doing during his tenure. And that carries weight in the room amongst the, the voters. I would say to you what also carries weight is that it was a limited, um, a limited amount of participation. When you think about a defensive player playing a thousand plays a season or a offensive player, you know, playing a thousand plays a season, a receiver catching 90 passes. It's a lot different than a returner, you know, returning, you know, 25 kickoffs or 30 kickoffs and 25 or 30 punts. It's just different. And so that's the thing that has, um, I think worked against them in the past and he's got to overcome. That That's a really good point. And I hear what you're saying. Is there the counter argument though, that he was so good at this special part of the game. He was the best to ever do what he did that could potentially outweigh the fact that he was limited overall as a player. Right. Uh, he was limited in his participation and in that, they tried to make him a receiver and, you know, that that met with, um, I guess, mixed results. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's been the argument. That's been the counter. <laughs> Somebody, you know, <laughs> people smarter than us have thought about that before, I think, and have, you know, articulated that to the voters. And it's a fair argument. The problem is it's that argument. And then on top of that, you have to make the uphill climb of, okay, so if we're not putting, if we're putting Devin Hester in, who are we not putting in? Because, you know, I mean, Tor we're leaving Tory Holt out again. We're leaving, you know, Reggie Wayne out again. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not going with Fred Taylor, uh, you know, who, who gained over 10,000 yards in the NFL. So it's not just uh, in a vacuum. It's a decision that's also made with a limitation on the number of people that you can vote for and how you weigh, you know, your second, third, fourth vote. It, it matters how much that person or how strong that person's case is and how few counter arguments against that person there are. Let me ask you this. You mentioned 
couple of ballots, your first, third, you know, fourth vote. How's the process work in terms of Hall of Fame voting? If you don't mind me asking, or I don't know if that's too much. But. No, no, not at all. So um, we have our first vote sometime in September or October. I don't remember which one it is. And we cut down from like, I think there was like over close to 200 candidates. Wow. Um, this last year. And that got cut down to 25. And then we cut down again to 15. And from that 15, a class can have no more than seven, um, and, you know, uh, entrance enshrinees, as they call them in Canton. And so that's how it works. We, we whittle it down and it gets harder as we go, obviously. Armando Salguero still here with us on Sports Talk Chicago. A few more minutes here with Armando. Uh, great to have him here with us. Wanted to talk about the five-spot new show with you and Donovan McNabb on OutKick. I think it's been a great success, certainly amazing content. How did that all start up? Yeah, no, uh, Donovan, he's a great guy, I got to tell you. hes I mean, I've covered the NFL since 1990, and I've dealt with some wonderful people and I've dealt with some not wonderful people (laughs) during that time as well. And I would say to you that Donovan McNabb was one of the not wonder. No, 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 I'm not going to say. He's one of the good guys. Um, Easy, easy to get along with knows his stuff. Obviously I learned something about football every time he talks to me about football and so he's got the quarterback's perspective on things. Uh, he sees things, even watching on television, that, frankly, I don't see. And he knows what the coverages were. He knows where the progressions should go. Uh, he knows this stuff. And he's, he's, he's just great at it. What do you think's been the best part of the show since it launched? I know it's kind of new but what stood out to you yeah so we ha- we've had guests on and uh so nick sirianni when the whole tush push <laughs> you know controversy about banning or not banning was was hot it's not going to get banned by the way um or at least that's the sentiment around the league that it's not going to get banned uh, but when there was a possibility that it could be, uh, Sirianni was very, very, um, I wouldn't say defensive, but very possessive of the tush push. And he talked to us about loving the fact that other other teams fail at it. <laughs> loving the <laughs> fact that only the Philadelphia Eagles start every possession f- first and eight basically, instead of first and 10, and that all the other teams that have tried to uh, copy it have mostly failed. And Armando, uh, last question before we finish up, what's your faith mean to you? Oh, wow. Um, Thanks for that question. It means everything. Uh, I'm a born-again Christian. Jesus Christ is my Savior. Uh, It wasn't always that way. I lived in the world and was a mess for a long time. And it's much better to not be a mess 
and and be uh you know have 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 someone that you can have a relationship with and has your back and i know that folks out there will say yeah but he's not really there he's not no he is tangible to me every single moment of my life and stuff has happened to me that just doesn't ordinarily happen to people. Uh, and, you know, you don't have enough time on this show for me to give you the examples, but multiple times my life has been spared. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't, you know, saved. Simple as that. Next time we have you on, we're going to get to more of that. I do want to hear some more examples. But Armando, um, thank you so much for joining me. It is always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the next time we chat. And best wishes here as the NFL season comes to a conclusion. But you won't get a break. All this stuff's going to continue to move on and move forward. So we appreciate you, Armando. It's always my pleasure, John. We're going to be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago. Don't go anywhere. Sports Talk Chicago, John Zaglula, great to be back here with all of you. Great first segment, very good interview with Armando Salguero. If you missed it, go back and podcast it at sportstalkchicago.com. Armando, senior NFL writer at OutKick, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, also the host of the Five Spot with Donovan McNabb. Great insights from Armando on Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, what the Bears should do, Devin Hester's Football Hall of Fame case, and so much more. It was a really good interview. Certainly appreciative of him for taking the time, and remember, um, you guys could always check him out at OutKick. Uh, he does some really good work. He does like a weekly newsletter. He is an insider. He has league sources. So if you want to get the skinny from him on what's going on around the NFL, find him on OutKick. Um, read all of his stuff. Follow him on Twitter, too. We had his Twitter handle there up um, during the live stream, during that part of the show. So we talked about the Bears. We've continued to talk about the Bears, and we will hear in these last two segments of the program. we get got a Bears-Packers preview coming up in segment three, but we have so much to discuss in this segment in terms of a big article written in ESPN. Surprisingly, I can't believe they actually wrote something that's actually substantive, but they wrote something about the Bears, about Justin Fields, and about the quarterback conundrum here in Chicago that we're going to get to. Now, there are, there's so much in here. Uh, you can go online and look it up. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, and Jeremy Fowler, their national reporter, he does really good work. They wrote about this. They wrote about, they've interviewed people within the Bears organization. They've interviewed NFL executives. They have talked to players. They've talked to anonymous you know, people in the front office. What should they do with Justin Fields? How should they approach this situation? What do, what do they do? Do they draft somebody? Do they keep Fields? Do they uh, draft somebody and keep Fields? Which was actually put and floated in this article. More than anything, though, what I appreciated about this, and I'm going to get to part of it, is that we saw a non-biased approach at the Justin Fields situation. You may want him to stay. You may want him to go. But you can't argue with facts, statistics, and legitimate evidence. Nobody can. You could try and spin it. You could try and get angry about it. You could tell me that I'm a hater, which people like to do as a blade. But the fact is, when you look at raw numbers, you can kind of tell where this is going to be going. And all the numbers are right here to read and cite as evidence. Here's what it says to start the article. Three seasons and 37 starts into his NFL career, Fields, Justin Fields' version of the Bears, has at times appeared tantalizingly close to a breakthrough. 
He's displayed physical gifts, command of an offense, and a clear leadership quality, but on a sporadic basis. Meanwhile, as we look at numbers, here is what sticks out to me the most. Through Sunday's games last Sunday, Fields ranks last in the NFL this season among 31 qualified quarterbacks in fourth quarter completion percentage, 51.8. is 25th in yards per attempt in the fourth quarter, 5.9. Tied for 29th in fourth quarter interceptions. The patented fourth quarter Justin Fields turnover, whether you like it or not, it's a reality. He has six fourth quarter interceptions this year. He has nine on the season. So in crunch time, when he's needed the most, he continually screws up. And he's 30th in QBR. Now, since joining the league in 2021, oh, but John, they were rebuilding one year, and he was under Matt Nagy. Don't care, here are the numbers. Fields is last among 38 qualified quarterbacks in fourth quarter interceptions, 16. 36th in completion percentage, 56.2, and 33rd in QBR, 41.4. Conversely, his touchdown-interceptor ratio, 4.3 in the first three quarters this season, is the NFL's fourth best. So, he can perform in three out of four quarters in the NFL. He's done enough to be a competent quarterback, which we admitted last year, and I said on this show last year, people say that I'm haters, that I'm being a hater. He is a competent quarterback in three out of the four quarters in an NFL football game. That's awesome. But when you are asked, if you're fields, to deliver a comeback, to man up when the situation gets tough in the fourth, and you really need a score, you need a drive, you need something, he cannot deliver. That's not me speaking. That's the number speaking. And that's the eyes speaking. We've called every game. We've watched every game here on the program. We know what he can and can't do in the fourth quarter. He can throw picks, fumble the football, have issues. He can't lead a game-winning drive. When evaluators, here's more of the article quote, when evaluators around the league watch fields, they can't help but notice what holds him back, mainly a tendency to hold onto the ball too long from the pocket, failing to see routes develop. He's last in the league in average time per pass in 2023 and last in that metric since entering the league. And in 37 starts, Fields has surpassed 225 passing yards six times. He's only had one game in his entire career with 300-plus passing yards that was this year in the self-imploded loss to Denver, him and the Bears. 18 starters in the NFL average at least 230 yards per game this season. Fields has only had six games above 225 yards ever in his career. Ever. So what's that mean? Right? What's that mean and what's that signal? Now, I don't want to give Fields all the hate, although it sounds like I am. Here's a quote from an assistant coach who was with the Bears staff in the past. And this is, I think, the biggest takeaway of the whole article. Not even the Justin Fields stuff. I, I know those numbers are really bad and I think they indict him. But here is the crux of the issue. And here's why the Bears may never have a quarterback. Not kidding. Here's what it says right here. Quote, they have an 85 Bears opinion of themselves, said an assistant coach from a previous Bears staff about the mentality of the franchise and why it's a hard place for a quarterback to flourish. I would say an almost impossible place. Here's the next part of the quote from that anonymous assistant coach. Quote, they've never quite modernized. Other franchises know you have to throw the ball to successfully to win, but the Bears still think it's about linebackers and the run game. That is a former coach. That is somebody. Um who used to be on this coaching staff. So I think he knows a thing or two about how the Bears operate. And the fact that he's essentially calling the Bears antiquated and outdated 
is enough to say that this is an organizational issue. Now, you got Ryan Poles, who's going to be supposedly making all decisions. You could bring back Poles, get rid of Bieber, Plus, get rid of Fields, and bring in a new quarterback and hopefully an offensive-minded coach, maybe, right? You could keep Fields. Maybe keep Eberflus, which sounds horrendous, but probably will end up occurring. And you could also do with the same stuff they're doing now. Because I'll tell you what, the Bears won even last week. Fields played great, but they had four interceptions defensively. Continuous short fields, continuous running the football, not necessarily passing first after the first quarter. That's where the Bears won. And throughout this season, I don't think there's been one specific game where I could say, okay, yes, it is because the fa- because they passed the football so much, that's why they won. There's been a combination of fields running and passing that's helped them to win. There's been a lot of defensive heavy wins. But has there been a game in which you could say, wow, fields threw for 400 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, he won them the game. No, it's never happened before, historically speaking. He's never thrown for 400, he's only thrown for 300 yards once. Fields makes explosive plays with his legs. Fields knows how to run the football. Fields can do things that some quarterbacks could never dream of doing. That's true. But Fields can also fail at things or be mediocre at things that every quarterback can do. So the question is, is his unique playmaking ability good enough to outweigh the fact that from an average quarterback level, he's not even there? And that's the question the Bears have to ask themselves. I would prefer, just me, I would prefer a pocket passer. I would prefer somebody who could throw for 4,000, 4,500 yards, right? 30 touchdowns. I don't think that's too much to ask for either. The Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. I don't know when the last time was they had a 30-touchdown passer even. It's been a while. And those aren't big things to ask for. Every other franchise in football but the Bears have had a 4,000-yard passer, even the Browns. The Bears are the only ones that haven't. Eric Kramer came close. So let's contextualize our conversation about Fields and not turn it into, oh, he's a hater, I'm just going to turn this off and shut him up. No. These are real numbers. This is a real situation that deserves a contextual lens, not a, I'm a fanalist, I want to keep him, I'm going to live or die on him, as Armando said in our first segment. He, he said it. Chicagoans are in this ride-or-die attitude when it comes to quarterbacks and when it, when it comes to Justin Fields specifically, that's ridiculous. And Ryan Poles is not in that attitude. Now, are the Bears going to capitulate to public opinion? Probably, because they've done it in the past. They did it when they put in Justin Fields against the Browns. Everybody was yelling and screaming and whining because Andy Dalton was starting, and the Bears put him in against the Browns. Obviously, that went bad. The rest of the year was kind of a joke, Then they fired Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. So they've capitulated to public opinion before. My guess is they're going to do it again. I really don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. Should they? Probably. Will they? No. But I will just say this. I appreciate Justin Fields' playmaking ability. I appreciate the fact that, like it or not, a lot of people like him. I'm talking locker room stuff, not even fans. Locker room. The locker room does like him. That's good. That's what you need. But to me, the thing that is never going to get past me, unless it improves, is the fourth quarter stuff. Because last time I checked, not just Mitch Trubisky, Jake Cutler, Kate McDowell, 
Kyle Orton, Rex Grossman, you know, they were all killed, not only for their lack of performance in general, but especially their fourth quarter inability to produce. That's true. I remember it. Especially with Mitch Trubisky as of late, I'm saying. Now, we could go back and resurrect quotes from Cutler and what media and fans said about that. I'm not going to go that far back. But the fact is, people still crap on him, too, for lack of an ability to be clutched. The 2010 NFC Championship game and many other, other instances like it. So why are we making an exception for Justin Fields when we didn't do it for other quarterbacks in the past? And the fact is, if you want to be a successful NFL quarterback, you do need to perform like Fields has in three out of four quarters, but you need to especially perform in the fourth quarter when your team needs you. When you're down by 10 with five minutes to go, you want a quarterback that you could have confidence in, that you could say, I believe that he could lead us down and score us 10 points in five minutes. Jared Goff did it against the Bears. Right? He did it. Deshaun Watson. Or, I'm sorry, Joe Flacco did. My bad. Joe Flacco, out of all people, sitting on the couch for half the season, did it. At 38, needs a walker to get on the damn field. He did it. Russell Wilson did it. He's benched. Oh, he sucks. Russell Wilson did it. Oh, I'm so happy the Bears didn't get him. Well, you know what? Justin Fields didn't do what Russell Wilson did. So before everybody jumps to conclusions about the situation... I just implore you to look at the full picture. That's all I'm saying. Look at the full picture. You could get mad and say, I'm a hater. These are legitimate numbers that I have right in front of me. This is not an agenda-based discussion or show. I am reading you what the measurements and what the statistics show. And the fact is, Justin Fields is actually one of the worst quarterbacks in football in the fourth quarter since he entered the league. Not to mention the fact that he is the worst, legitimately, since he entered in holding onto the football. And even this year, 3.23 seconds in average time per pass, worst in football. 3.10 in terms of since entering the league, worst in football. Oh, by the way, Fields has surpassed 225 passing yards six times. Well, it doesn't matter how you move the ball as long as he scores. Lamar Jackson throws for 300 a lot. Lamar Jackson's probably going to win another MVP. And he does both. He throws for 3,900, 4,000 yards a year and rushes for 1,000. I'm sorry. Justin Fields is never going to do that. I don't see it. Not with the way he's playing currently, at least. So we need to have a nuanced, legitimate conversation about Justin Fields and not have biases or agendas creep in. This is not a witch hunt against Justin Fields. This is the truth about Justin Fields. And I'll always admit it, dynamic playmaker, good runner, good quarterback for three quarters out of four. But he is the worst fourth quarter quarterback in football. He's the worst, not a lie. And he is the worst quarterback in football in terms of holding onto the ball too long. That's why Justin always runs into sacks. He hasn't done it as of late. Overall, in the three years he's played, he has. So, I'm just saying, that's the reality of the situation. That's the reality of how things are going uh, with Justin Fields. And that's, at the end of the day, what the Bears have to do, right? And that's what Ryan Poles has to evaluate. It is going to be an evaluation, right? So, Ryan Poles, because it's going to be on him more than anybody, He's going to have to determine, all right, 
I love what I see in terms of three quarters. Is that enough to outweigh him being the worst fourth quarterback, fourth quarter quarterback in football? I don't know. If I was in the business of winning, literally winning football games, I would be torn because although maybe Justin Fields puts up 45 points in three quarters, if he puts up zero in the fourth and has a couple of fumbles that lead to points for the other team, then that's kind of a problem too. In general, the Bears are, and I've read a couple of reports, they will listen to offers on fields, just like they're going to be evaluating what they should do at number one, and maybe they should trade the first pick. And I think no matter what, you should listen to all the offers in the world about Justin Fields, because maybe a team's stupid enough to overpay for him, because there is a price on Justin Fields. (laughs) He's not some Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady elite quarterback who just can never be traded. No, there's a price. If somebody offered the Bears a first-round pick for Justin Fields, I'd probably take it. Just saying. I don't think that's controversial either. You want to overpay for the worst fourth quarter quarterback in football? Awesome. Here, take him. You're good. So there are a lot of questions and a lot of things that are going to need to be answered. I also read in the article that a couple of Bears players were quoted as saying that he is an elite quarterback. Come on. that's that's not true he's not elite he's fine you know good playmaker here's what another nfl executive and nfc executive specifically said quote i think we know what fields is at this point great athlete and playmaker who misses some throws that he shouldn't or doesn't always take the throws available to him you can win some games with him some And he's got some elements to his game that are really impressive, but it's not sustainable long-term from a pocket-passing standpoint, in my opinion. This isn't just me saying all this stuff. These are legitimate executives. These are people in the business. These are legitimate football evaluators, because what do I know, right? No, these are GMs and executives who know what they're talking about. So... The Bears have a big decision nonetheless, and the debate is super fun to moderate and be a part of. I will say that. But has Fields proven without a doubt that he should be the guy? No. Has he proven without a shadow of a, a, shadow of a doubt that he's the guy for the Chicago Bears? I was in a courtroom, I'd say no. He hasn't. He's proven that he's a good quarter one, quarter two, and Quarter three quarterback, he's also proven that he can't perform in quarter four and he can't get rid of the football and it's going to be his fourth year in the league. What should the Bears do? Let me know. You can comment, YouTube, or find us on social media at Sports Talk Chicago. We're going to cover this thing throughout, so you don't want to miss that too. We'll be back for the final segment, Bears-Packers. The Bears could eliminate Green Bay from playoff contention. Does that mean that they win? that everybody gets to stay. (laughs) We'll talk about that next here on Sports Talk Chicago. Don't go anywhere. Sports Talk Chicago, John's Glow. Great to have all of you here with us. Big shout-out to all of our great radio and TV affiliates, WKAN 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, WJOB, Gen TV and Cities, 92.9 Talk FM. I'm John's Glow. John Meadows is directing and producing final segment of today's program. If you missed any of it, including... A really fun interview with Armando Salguero, senior NFL writer, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter as well, at Outkick and Fox News. Hit, uh, go, go back and podcast it. It's 
sportstalkchicago.com. You can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago on social media, and you can uh, find us on YouTube. Watch the show on YouTube at Sports Talk Chicago on the road to 19,000 subscribers. We're about 300 away, so every subscription and every like, all that good stuff really matters, and we appreciate all of your support and help. So, final segment of today's program, the Bears have kind of a big game uh, this weekend. Did you know they're getting the A-team on CBS for Jim Nance, Tony Romo, they're going to be even calling this game between an 8-8 eight and eight Packers team and a, what, 7-9 Bears team? You might wonder, why are they doing that? <laughs> well, it's because the Packers, if they win, make the playoffs. Meanwhile, for the Bears, they don't have a foot in the room in terms of playoff stuff, but they do in terms of, well, if they win, what does that mean? Does it change anything in terms of Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, Ryan Poles, and how things are going to play out? Now, I want to break down, first of all, who the Packers are and what they've been throughout this season. We remember them in week one. That was tough. Jordan Love played out of his mind, and Jordan Love this season, to his credit, has been an amazing quarterback. I can't say anything bad about him. He has 30 touchdowns. He's going to have 4,000 yards. You won't want to hear me say it, but I'm going to say it. He's a better quarterback than Justin Fields. He is. Can't argue with it. Jordan Love is 3,800 passing yards as of right now, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks, 94 passer rating. He's 8-8. Eight and eight. This was a team that was supposed to be 4-13 and 13 this year. They were supposed to do nothing this year. And once again, Green Bay finds a way to get it done. And I think Jordan Love, based on this season, is by far the quarterback of their future. I've seen enough to know, yep, he's the guy. 30 touchdowns, 11 picks, and this guy's essentially rookie year. That's unbelievably impressive. Hats off to him. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to hear it or not, it's the truth. Hats off to him for such a great rookie, quote-unquote, season. A.J. Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones have been added on the ground. The Bears are going to have a tough time defending them. And by the way, one more thing, too. The Packers' leading receivers as of today are Jaden Reed with 681, and Romeo Dobbs with 674 in terms of receiving yards. Christian Watson is 422. My point being, he has no weapons whatsoever. Nothing. But I don't hear people saying the Packers need to stock the team up with weapons. I don't hear people clamoring and crying, saying that Jordan Love is getting an unfair shake because he doesn't have any weapons. No, he's making the best of the situation. They're 8-8. They're fighting for a playoff spot, and they shouldn't have been here at all. That's a testament, believe it or not, to Jordan Love to the coaching staff, to the organization, and to all of these role players who have come together to do their very best throughout the season. That's impressive. That's impressive. The Bears, meanwhile, well, they have something to play for, don't they? 7-9, Matt Eberflus, the Bears, uh, Believe it or not, have the 20th best defense overall in terms of points given up, but their rush defense is first in football, still tied for first. Justin Fields enters action at 5-7 and seven overall as a quarterback, 16 touchdowns, 9 picks, and 86 passer rating. He is the team's leading rusher, though, at 630 yards. Khalil Herbert behind him at 583, so Fields might get to around 700 at the end of the year, which is a great number for a quarterback, considering that he missed, what, three, four games? That's nice. Lil Herbert and uh, Roshan Johnson probably going to get some carries. Deontay Foreman was a healthy scratch last week. He'll probably be the same here. And then 
Obviously, DJ Moore, the big target for the Bears on offense, 1,300 receiving yards. Super impressive season for him. Certainly a great acquisition by Ryan Poles and Cole Komet also approaching 700. He might get to 800 by the end of this season. Surprising. This is Cole Komet's best season ever. I didn't expect that. <laughs> but the Bears are going to have a lot to determine and a lot to see in terms of how this game plays out. I want to address something here, too. I was talking about this with John before the show. If anybody thinks that one game or a win against the Packers to knock them out of playoff contention is going to change the Bears' minds in terms of evaluation, I'll stop you right there. One game is not going to determine everything. we got people out there saying, well, if the Bears win, then everyone stays, and if they lose, everyone's going to get fired. No, that's not how it works. This is going to be a full, thorough evaluation process in terms of Eberflus and Fields that evaluates their entire body of work. Because it'd be dumb for the Bears to say, well, you beat the Packers, everybody could stay. I know it's a big pride thing, rivalry, blah, blah, blah. But if you decide to justify everything and put everything on one game and just completely neglect the past 16, then you'd be a dummy. Right? We can't sit here and say, well, if the Bears win, everybody stays. That's kind of dumb, right? I've seen people say that. I've seen people write it, which I, I really can't even believe that. I, I would never write that. I mean, that makes no sense. Why? Why Why would you do that? So we'll see how this one plays out. Uh, in terms of predictions, I actually do believe the Bears will win it. I just got that feeling. You know, I think Justin Fields is going to go out on top in terms of staying or going. And I feel like especially if they win, uh, everyone's going to get so angry that Ryan Poles is going to maybe cave to public opinion. So I do think that they're going to win this game, and I think they may eliminate Green Bay from playoff contention. Maybe Jordan Love. I, I think Jordan Love's going to have a flat game. Hope I'm wrong. or I mean, I, I, should, I hope I'm right. I don't hope I'm wrong, but I don't think Jordan Love is going to come out ready. You know, for Jordan Love, you got to remember this too. Um. This is a big game for him. You know, we've talked about already his accolades as a quarterback. Can he come through in the biggest game of his young career and deliver Green Bay a playoff appearance? I don't know if he's going to be ready for that task yet. And frankly, that's too much to ask for a rookie. Way too much pressure for a rookie. If he does it, it's by far exceeding expectations. If he doesn't, he shouldn't get any criticism or negativity. He's had a great year nonetheless. So in terms of prediction, it's going to be in Green Bay at Lambeau Field, I think the Bears will pull this one out. I think the final score is going to be 24-20 Bears win. 24-20 Bears are going to win this game, in my opinion. I think they're going to pull this one out. I think they are going to shock the world. I think this is going to make things difficult for Ryan Poles. It shouldn't, but it will because public opinion. And I think they're going to find a way to pull this one off. 24 to 20. I want to take some time here, too, to read off some Super Chats. we got some Super Chats. So for those on the radio uh, who don't know what that is, you go to YouTube, you could donate a certain amount of money and become a Super Chatter. So we got one from C. Rich, first of all. $10 donation, which we appreciate. He said, I think Penix will end up being the guy from this draft. I say we keep Fields and pick up his fifth year, trade back for a haul, grab Penix, 
Let him sit for Fields' fourth year, trade Fields on the fifth-year option. I think that's a heck of an idea. And I don't. I have no issue with that at all. Now, people are going to find controversy with it, but I have no problem with the Bears drafting somebody and putting Fields' feet to the fire. Seriously. Give him some competition, then. If you're going to keep him around and you're going to sit here and justify him being the worst fourth-quarter quarterback in football. Right? If you're going to justify by keeping him forced him to compete. And that's a great idea, C. Rich. Zachary Hawley said, for $5, man, we just need to get rid of Fields and go shopping for another QB. I'm tired of QBs getting paid that don't pan out something Chicago would do, a la Daniel Jones in New York. Same thing. And, oh, really, for $5, said, you can't blame a child for not putting up their toys when they haven't been taught. And you know what? That's a fair point, too. I enjoy the discourse, and I enjoy the debate. Somebody said this a couple of weeks ago. I was listening to a show, and they said, um, it's astounding that everybody watches one quarterback. Everybody watches the same guy, the same snaps, the same games, and they have two polar opposite opinions. That's what makes the NFL fun, and that's what makes the show fun and the public forum of debate and discussion fun. If you really think Justin Fields should stay and is an elite quarterback, hey, you could prove it. But I could prove the opposite, too. And that's what makes it fun to discuss, which is something I enjoy. And I appreciate all of those super chats and all of those comments from everybody. See Rich, O'Reilly, and Zachary Hawley specifically. You guys got shout-outs on the radio. You guys are famous. On that note... It's going to be time to conclude today's program. Big thank you to John Meadows directing and producing. Big, big thank you to Armando Salguero for hopping on in, giving up some great insights on the Bears and national NFL news. Devin Hester's Pro Football Hall of Fame situation. That's really cool as well. Please follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. If you missed any part of this show, hit us up at sportstalkchicago.com or any of your podcasting platforms and follow us on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the like button, and join us for the final game of the season. We're going to be live for the Bears-Packers game on our YouTube channel. Hang out with us for about four hours and enjoy the viewing experience with us. One more shout-out, too, to all of our great radio and TV affiliates, WKAN, 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, WJOB, JetTV, and City's 92.9 Hawk FM. We'll see you Sunday, last game of the Bears season. Don't miss it. Like it or not, you're going to love it. It's Sports Talk Chicago. John Zaglul. So long. We'll see you next time.